Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein, Henry Ford, and Walt Disney, just to name a few, were all people viewed as being the least likely to succeed at one time or another in their lives. In fact, many highly intelligent people down through history were considered to be dunces, if you will, during their elementary and high school years. Yet they were actually smarter than most anyone recognized, including the professionals who taught them. It's argued that all of God's children have something worthwhile, some intelligence to offer the world. Knowing what to and how to nurture in their God-given gifts, their strengths and intelligences, though, can steer them in what Scripture calls the way they should go. Today, we'll be exploring eight great smarts as we help you discover and nurture your child's intelligences, next on Licensed to Parent. Hello, fellow parent, and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, and I'm Rich Rossell. Now, Trace, you run a highly successful therapeutic program in school for troubled teenagers, so you are pretty familiar with, for lack of a better metaphor, making lemonade out of what many would call lemons. And you're always kind of taking the swimming upstream approach uh, in this process, right? Well, I don't know if I'd say it quite like that, but uh, you're probably right. Um I've always been a slow learner by conventional means. Uh, I'm as ADHD as any kid here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Uh, yet I've always had a knack for connecting dots that most other people never saw as even needing connecting. Uh, but if I haven't learned anything else in all my years, Rich, I've learned that education goes far deeper than mere academics. Yeah. Um, I was in my mid-30s when Beth and I uh, first felt called to ministry, and uh, the thought of Bible college made hell feel like a vacation in the Caribbean, uh, seriously. And, and only, only because I, ha I had taken classes in high school like drafting and power mechanics, uh, machine shop and typing, was I even close to being an average high school student. Uh, other than those kinds of classes and, and sports, I hated every minute of mm -hmm. school. So when at the age of 34, I had to take an aptitude test to, to get into Bible college, I scored far below sea level. In other words, I had no altitude to my aptitude. I had to look up to find the ocean floor, and, and that was covered with <laughs> whale dung. Uh, that's how bad I scored on that aptitude test. It was not only disappointing, it was beyond humiliating. And here mm -hmm. I was, you know, telling people that God himself had called me to ministry, and, and yet according to the, to the way my aptitude was measured, uh, I should actually be in a therapeutic school and program right now, certainly not running one. Uh, but if it weren't for a God who measures qualification for his work by a totally different standard, and, and my pastor who saw something in me that I didn't see in me, uh, I might be bagging your groceries right now or preparing your hamburgers. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those things. I've done both and pretty well, I might add. Uh, by the way, despite my humiliating uh, college aptitude scores uh, and the fact that Beth and I you know, had to work paying our way through Bible college with three kids at the time, no internet in the equation. Uh, by God's grace, I managed to be on the dean's list every semester I was in school. Now, I don't say that to brag. I say that to encourage our listeners and even our guests that what we'll be discussing today is evidenced uh, in the very guy who will be asking her the lion's share of the questions today. Her book is spot on. I just wish that my parents and, and other people and myself 
had access to this book about 50 years earlier. Yeah. Well, we probably need to take the Wayback Machine, as Sherman and Peabody <laughs> exactly. said, and send our guest back in time. Uh, the book of which you speak is called Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. And it's one of six books written by the founder and president of Celebrate Kids. That's a ministry dedicated to helping parents, educators, and kids of all ages to meet their core needs of security, identity, belonging, purpose, and competence in healthy ways. Her name is Dr. Kathy Cook, and her ministry is based in Fort Worth, Texas. She's joining us by phone from Fort Worth. And since 1991, Dr. Cook has been speaking to thousands of parents and teachers and children in about 30 countries around the world. Uh, today, we've asked her here to help us discover the many great things that might be buried inside our kids as we dig into her book. And again, the title is Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. Well, Dr. Kathy, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Uh, Dr. Kathy, can you tell us about uh, your book, why you decided to write it, and, and, and what you hope to accomplish with it? You know, I, I just appreciate your story so much, and that's why I wrote it, was there's so many people who don't believe that they're smart. When I taught second graders I, many, many, many years ago before I established my ministry, I was alarmed at how many seven- and eight-year-old children and even their parents had already decided they were not the smart ones. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, certainly as a believer, I know that's not true because, you know, God creates us in his image. We've got a brain. We've got to learn how to use it. And there were kids who I knew were um, very intelligent, like you are, and maybe could not prove it in a, in a school book learning kind of way. And mm -hmm. I loved bringing out of them the ability that they had that had been buried or hidden. And, um, and I wanted parents and educators and Sunday school teachers uh, to understand that everyone is smart in the way that they were created to be smart. And we need to, to get that, you know, draw, draw that out of them and help them then glorify God through the way that they're intelligent. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you for writing it. You made me, you made me feel a little better. How do we as parents uh, develop an appetite in our kids to, to want to learn? You know, I think we're, we need to be good role models, right? Where we're reading the newspaper, we're reading blog posts, we're reading books. We go to the library or we go to, um, you know, websites and do research with our kids and, and they ask us a question and we don't know and we humbly say, hey, I don't know, that's a great question. Let's find out together. And we call our pastor or we go to, you know, a, a website that might, might have answers for us. And they understand that learning is our life. That's really what Proverbs would, teaches us, that learning is not something you do while you're in school. Learning is our life. Right. And, you know, Jesus learned. And my goodness, um, you know, he was God. He was the word. And he learned how much more important is it for us. So a lot of it is the passion that we have and the the inspiration that we can provide for them, and then it's the encouragement that we provide for them, that school matters, and that, mm -hmm. you know, not every lesson is going to be great, and it's not the purpose of school to make it fun. Um, so, you know, get over it and go to school, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, tell us about Celebrate Kids, and is, is that something that, that might foster an appetite for, for kids? Well, I appreciate you asking that. I, you know, we're passionate here that... Parents, grandparents, educators help kids understand they were created on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. And uh, you need to learn and you need to aspire to wisdom in order to be able to fulfill the purpose God's given you. Um, so mostly what we do is teacher training and parent education and chapels and assemblies for kids of all ages in school and church and community settings. Um, and then we've got the product line you know, that you're aware of that helps, like this book. Um, we're, we're passionate that parents 
celebrate the kids they were given and not wish they had a different kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of us, you know, parents who conceive begin to dream or some moms dream before they even conceive a kid. You know, I'm going to have a ballerina just like I was, or I'm going to have, you know, whatever. Dads want a, ba- you know, a, a baseball player. Well, if you didn't get that, you better raise the kid you were given. Because if you raise the kid you thought you'd have, you're going to break the child you do have. And that child will not feel um, welcomed, affirmed, um, unique, special. You're going to have a really hard time. So we love helping parents identify who their kids are, and that includes the way that they're smart. And do we accept that as God's gift and blessing? Or do we continue to fight against that and say, no, you will earn an A, when clearly a C is their A, because it could have been a D. Right. Do we honor that? Right. And I, I discovered God's not looking for an A student. He's looking for a student. And I think that's what more parents need to... Yeah, looking for not ability, but availability. Well, there you go. There you go. And, and you know, we talk about this uh, quite often on our, on our broadcast. Uh, everyone's familiar with Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. I think most Christians have heard and understood that passage to mean something quite different. Uh, than perhaps the author of that passage intended. Can you address that? I think that's a really relevant question in today's time because I don't think it does mean that a child raised in the faith in a Christian home is guaranteed to always follow after Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, If we don't disciple our children and help them understand why we do what we do and why we believe what we believe, and if they don't take those beliefs into themselves wholly, there is no guarantee. Mm-hmm. What I think that verse really talks about is know your children. There you go. And, you know, educate and motivate and inspire and teach and instruct them according to their design. So if they are, for instance, exhibiting ADHD kind of behavior and focus is a hard thing for them, then teach in smaller nuggets so that they sure. can be successful. Right. If their body's smart and they learn by movement and touch, let them study in a rocking chair, even if it drives you nuts. <laughs> you know, buy them a clipboard and let them pace as they're studying spelling words and vocabulary definitions, even if you would prefer they should still. It's not about the parent being happy. It's about the child being successful. Yeah, following their bent, what they're wired mm-hmm. for. I mean, and it, it, would this uh, or would this not be part of the equation if you got two parents working and, and their only option is, you know, a, a school, uh, whether it's public or private, uh, they might have to just resign themselves to the fact and not sl- slander a kid for making C's because he's in an environment that isn't conducive for his greatest uh, learning style. Shouldn't parents cut him a little slack in that in that sense and consider a C and A? I'm not... I, doesn't necessarily be a C. It could be a B or whatever. But right, am right. I on the right track there? I think so. I think that again, we we would want our children to be the best they're capable of being and do the best they're capable of doing. And I, I want parents to look for evidence. What's really frustrating for children is when you say you're gonna have a great year in math. Kids look at me and they go, I don't know what my dad thinks happened to my brain, but nothing's happened. <laughs> you know, and that's so legitimate. Yeah. So if your child yeah. has proven that. He is, he is using effort. He is asking for help. He is proofreading his work. You know, he is teachable. And, and yet, you know, math is just not his thing. Well, we need to wake up and realize he was not born with as many brain cells in the logic smart part of the brain as we were, but he's our child made in God's image, not ours. And we need to love him in the moment and, and affirm him and say, you know what, sweetheart, you know, praise God for your choice to study and earn a C when I realize it's really frustrating and scary for you. 
And I praise God that you're a creative writer and that God made you word smart and picture smart. And that's why your adjectives and your verbs are so strong in your writing. And I wonder if someday you'll be an author, a journalist, Mm -hmm. a lawyer, where you use your words really well to inspire a jury to see truth. We need to really be careful that we don't emphasize only what they cannot do, but we help them discover what they can do. That's really good. I I think a lot of times we as individuals, but we as parents too, forget that God calls us to do our best. God doesn't call us to do more than our best. And mm-hmm. if our best is that B or C level, then and we're giving it our all and giving it a, a good shot, then we have done our best and we've honored God in what we do. Yeah, and I want to get to the different intelligence that you write about it in your book. But I, I first, before we get there, I think it's important for parents to understand that you know there's a, there's a difference between knowledge, intelligence, and wisdom. And the writer of Proverbs, King Solomon wrote most of them, uh, you know, he didn't ask for intelligence. <laughs> you know, he, he praised wisdom and, and all that uh, and knowledge. Uh, but wisdom is what got him blessed by God. And wisdom of the three uh, is what you do with the knowledge and intelligence that you have. And wisdom is the only one with a moral component to it. And I think, I think that's what, uh, why God is, is so impressed with wisdom. How do we take the knowledge and intelligence that our kids have at any particular time in their life and kind of move Turn that, that into wisdom? Into, yeah. yeah, in wisdom. How, how do we make them make good decisions with the knowledge and intelligence that they have? Oh, my goodness. That's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, I'll say this. I totally agree with you. I think, well, God is wise, and so wisdom is agreeing with God. There and wisdom go. is... Um, the application of knowledge in the right way for the right reason, for the right motive, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I believe that the application of truth is, is a critical component to children understanding whether or not they have arrived at wisdom. So we need, as educators and parents, to allow children to apply the truth. So if they've learned, for instance, they've learned to write creatively, then have them enter a poetry contest. Uh-huh. They've learned to write you know, accurately. Have them write a letter to the editor and see if it's published in the local paper. They've learned um, mathematical reasoning. Then have them volunteer at a, at a food pantry where they're one of the ones that figures out how many more cans of soup do they need you know, mm-hmm. before whatever date in order to have enough to pass out. Mm-hmm. So it's the, giving kids the opportunity to, to use what they've learned is what's going to motivate them to stay in school and to um, desire wisdom over simple information. Yeah, and I think it's real important that parents exercise some wisdom and accept some truth before that can even happen. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. We need to take a quick break on the program. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Kathy Cook, the founder and president of Celebrate Kids and the author of Eight Great Smarts Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. Kathy, Trace has five kids. I have five kids. So collectively, we may have found 10 intelligences because not a one of our kids is the same. So when we come back, <laughs> I'd like you to unpack some of those eight great smarts. At least we can have a basketball game if nothing else, right? All right. <laughs> back in a moment with more Licensed to Parent. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. 
The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. A reminder, you can find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And while there, remember to check out archives of past conversations we've had on a variety of parenting topics. Uh, Most anything you would probably want to know about, we've talked about at one point or another with someone. So uh, go through some of the old programs and you can learn quite a lot. Again, at licensedtoparent.org. And our guest today... Dr. Kathy Cook is uh, joining us to talk about Eight Great Smarts. Uh, this is her uh, one of her newest books, and uh, the subtitle is Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. So, Dr. Kathy, unpack these for us. Uh, what are the eight great smarts you have found? Or at yeah, least thanks. give us some of them. Sure. Um, word smart, we think with words. If you excite us, we probably talk. Logic smart, we think with questions. We love it when things make sense. We probably like math and science. And if you excite us, we ask more questions. And these are the two smarts that I've identified as the school smarts because what do we do all day in school? We read, write, speak, listen, ask, and answer questions. And math and science and literature and reading and spelling and vocabulary, of course, are huge disciplines within the school day. So children who, by God's design, have many, um, if you will, brain cells in those components Um, are going to find school to be a a safer, easier kind of place to be. It does not mean, as as you well pointed out in your introduction to the show, it does not mean that they're the only ones that will be successful. In fact, there's research that says that B and C students are often the best entrepreneurs and, and the most um, you know, creative, energetic learners who are going to make a difference in the world. Yeah. Well, the way we um, put that is that those are usually the pioneers while, while most people are the settlers. Right. That's good. That's good language. The other six smarts are really important um, in no particular order. There's picture smart. We think with our eyes. We tend to be more um, creative visually. We like art, history, literature, fiction, because we see it come alive as we read or, or listen to it. Uh, music smart. We think with rhythms and melodies. We tend to maybe sing in tune or play an instrument or two, and we may 
uh, value greatly worship within a church service, and God may speak to us through through a song um, that inspires us. And then there's Body Smart. These are the kids who think with movement and touch. They may or may not be, you know, ADHD or ADD. They may simply be Body Smart, and they're the ones who are going to change the world through movement and touch. They might be classical artists. They might be truck drivers. They might be actors and surgeons who can cut on a line and put a joint back together right. Um, Very, very important. And then there's Nature Smart. Nature Smart uh, children and adults think with patterns. They have a natural ability to see design. That's how they know a bluebird isn't a blue jay. They actually remember where the blue goes on that kind of a bird. Or an elm tree is not an oak tree because they remember the type of leaf that that tree has. Um, They might remember the names of the clouds more easily than the rest of us. And, uh, again, there can be careers they find. And and you can, if you know somebody's nature smart, you might want to talk with them about God is creator and and the Genesis account in Psalm 23 and Psalm 46. And that, you know, if we don't praise God, the rocks will cry out. Those, you can use the passages of the Holy Word of God to inspire a greater faith and a greater discipleship toward really a wholeness in your relationship with God if you understand how kids are smart. This is not just something that helps us in our academic pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last two, quickly, are really important as well. There's people smart. People smart people are good at brainstorming and networking, and they know what they know when they hear themselves say it, and someone responds. Mm-hmm. So these are the kids who sometimes get in trouble for talking you know, to their neighbor. Word smart people talk all the time, but they don't really need an audience, which is funny. Uh, those of us who are people smart, we are always craving someone's reaction. It can be that we're immature or we're um, not confident in our ideas, or it could be that we're very people smart and we are really desiring someone's reaction. And then the opposite of that is self-smart. This is the eighth one. Self-smart people think deeply inside of themselves with reflection, and they can appear slow and quiet when there's actually a whole lot going on inside of their head. And they know what they know when they think it. They don't need to tell anyone about it. They'd love to be alone, actually, with their deep thoughts. Sometimes these kids don't do well in school because they undershare what they know because it's not important to them to share it. Sometimes these people don't go to church because they're very content alone with their own thoughts. It's not the same as introverted and extroverted. This has to do with the way that you think. Yeah. Or afraid of being shot down. Uh, with me, uh, I thought I had insights uh, that no one else saw. Therefore, I didn't vocalize it. Uh, mm. And then uh, kind of find out later, wow, I was right after all. And I'm, I'm, then, you know, when I did get to, to college, I'm asking all these questions that, you know, my wife took some classes with me and she's, I always embarrassed her because I always asked too many questions, but I always had like two or three, four, sometimes four kids in the hall. Man, I'm glad you asked that question. Mm, you know, so I yep. realized, you know, yeah, I think I am seeing some things that people aren't seeing here. So that didn't make me weird, but. No, I, that's a great illustration of someone who's self-smart and using other intelligences to draw great conclusions. And this is why, at home and at school and at church, we need to create an environment that increases the confidence of everyone to participate. Real real quickly, uh, regarding the eight smarts that you've just gone through, um, I believe I'm hearing in what you're saying that kids probably have some uh, mixture of all or most of these. It's not like, oh, you're a you're a number one smart person. You're a number two. They may be dominant in that way, but don't we all sort of have a blend of these? 
Absolutely, that's a great question. Um, Dr. Howard Gardner at Harvard University is the, the person who actually did the research that I'm using, and he believes, and I'm totally supportive of this, that all of us were created with the possibility to develop all eight, and the earlier they're awakened, the greater the likelihood mm-hmm. they will be a strength for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So parents and teachers of young children have a very, very important role of parenting and teaching eclectically so that children have opportunities to discover that they are smart in all eight of these ways. And then the older that we get, well, most of us are going to find four or five or six that we can rely on quite readily. And then most of us probably have one or two that we can use if highly motivated or if we're with people who have those intelligences, then they will draw that out of us. Mm. But in our normal everyday existence, we don't necessarily rely on those smarts. Can you talk about the importance of proper nurture, whether it's from either mom or dad? You know, the emotional nurture is what gives kids the confidence to risk trying again for that B or that A or the right answer or um, to make first chair flute rather than second chair. So the emotional nurture gives us the confidence, the backbone to risk and to try. The emotional nurture is what allows us to say to our parents, I don't understand this. Can you help me? So we admit, you know, failure's on the horizon if I don't do something here. Um, and it's good for the parent. It's, it's the bond that, you know, matters. And I think when we're emotionally nurtured, um, we know our children well enough to challenge them to the next right thing mm-hmm. because we know what they're capable of as we've sat with them and nurtured them. And this is what's going to inspire all eight intelligences to be awakened in those, in those nurturing moments, whether that's having, you know, it's, it's as simple, guys, it's as simple as a jigsaw puzzle. All, of, all children, when they're two and three, do those little toddler puzzles, right, to discover how the world works. We should keep doing those throughout life. Put a jigsaw puzzle on a card table in the corner of your living room, have it there all the time, and kids will stop by and do one piece. Mom stops by, does a piece, and 35 minutes later, they're talking and doing the puzzle together. Mm-hmm. And they're being nurtured in conversation and with physical awareness of you know, closeness. And then the logic smart and the picture smart parts of the brain are being nurtured as well. Dr. Yeah. Cook, we are out of time today. Our guest uh, on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Kathy Cook, the founder and president of Celebrate Kids in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, author of the book we've been discussing. This is one of six books she's written, Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences. And I hate that we've kind of had, had to rush through the closing on this, but I guess all that to say, get the book. It's, uh, it's an excellent read. And uh, incidentally, we've invited Dr. Cook to be with us again on an upcoming program to talk about her book, Teens and Screens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. That's a book that Trace was just referring to. You can find her and her books online at CelebrateKids.com. And Dr. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, ma'am. It's been an honor to be with you. Thank you. And that does wrap up another edition of Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. While there, please take time to listen to some other conversations we've had on a wide range of parenting topics. Also, check out our parenting resources and subscribe to our blog and newsletter. You'll find them all at LicensedToParent.org. Remember, too, that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is merely an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill, as we've told you often, is a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, by extension, with their families. You can help that work continue through your tax-deductible gift 
that helps keep this radio program on the air and provides scholarships to families who can't afford residential care. This way they can get the help they need for a teen who may be one step away from grave or one step away from the jail. The need is always great, but never more so than right now. So please join us and help us today. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time and renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>